Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Wednesday, March 9th. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, sorry I hadn't gotten back to you until today. I've had kind of some family stuff I'd take care of. Sickness in the family, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Anyway, everything's fine. Just say a little prayer for the Sherbert clan uh, moving forward. Um, thank you to Heritage, Heritage Digital, by the way, for uh, sponsoring this first segment of the podcast. Going to scrap news and notes format. You guys know what's been going on. It hadn't been good. Uh, in fact, it's been bad. <laughs> uh, you know, and part of it is because South Carolina football recruiting wise has been on spring breaks. So there's been some guys that have gone and visited elsewhere that have kind of said, ah, well, you know, maybe I'm leaning here now. Uh, Keith Sampson commits to Florida State. Uh, that surprised people recruiting him. Uh, South Carolina feels like they're going to be fine at defensive tackle this cycle regardless. Uh, the big concern, I think, Zechariah Owens, the big offensive tackle who visited Clemson and called him his leader. South Carolina was a clear leader going into that. Uh, so there's a little bit there that's uh, eh, a little iffy, I would guess, on football recruiting, but it's not time to panic about that yet. Or really panic about anything, uh, but uh, man, oh man, oh man, what a weekend! South Carolina gets swept by Clemson in baseball uh, in a three-game series for the first time since 1996. In a three-game series, uh, ten to two at Circa Park, and then the game at Doug Kingsmore got away from them. Uh, I think we all knew the pitching was going to be a uh, a struggle, uh, but the hitting is what was the concern, I think. And, you know, Clemson's got good pitching, but same old story uh, at the plate and in the field uh, for this team. Uh, and that's uh, that's an important rivalry. Uh, I don't think expectations were too high going in. I think it's more about how they played than the results. Uh, and, and then just 
an embarrassment for lack of a better term at Founders Park, uh, 15 to seven to Xavier. Uh, it was two and nine coming in. They had beaten upstate two out of three. It's a cold weather team. I just, you know, look, man, have some pride. I mean, and, and I think in games like that, it, it sometimes comes down to pride or refocus. Uh, not every series is going to be Clemson or Texas. And Texas is coming to Founders Park this weekend. And it's a crying shame that, you know, that's the matchup this weekend and the team's struggling uh, so poorly. Uh, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I wrote this on the bigspur.com today, and I'm just going to say this big picture wise. First of all, baseball is a funny sport. You can always turn it around. I mean, Mark Higgs' first year, they were sitting there struggling mightily. They went on a run and made it all the way to Super Regional. Um, you've seen teams under Ray Tanner get off the tough starts and turn it around. There's just not a lot of faith right now that's going to happen. Now, I hope it does. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any problem with, with Mark Kingston, but man, oh, man, oh, man, th- th- this baseball program just hasn't been right. You know, even last year, it's a nice year, t- one of the toughest schedules in the country. You host a, a regional, and then you have it teed up because there's an upset on the other side of the bracket, and you just can't score runs. You just can't score runs. And then that was – you're supposed to kind of fix that this year, and then you still can't score runs. Um, I don't know what the deal is. You got new coaches, new players. I, I don't know. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, and I'm not, I'm not a baseball expert. But uh, big picture-wise, look, sometimes and a lot of times in college athletics, when you have a program like South Carolina baseball where you go on a run that's unprecedented, I, I guess they set the, a winning streak record uh, in the NCAA tournament and in Omaha, two national championships – then fought their butts off with a team that probably wasn't as good as the other two uh, to get all the way to the final series against Arizona in 2012. Uh, that, that's great success. I mean, that, that's consistent, you know. Um, and sometimes great programs, you know, when you have a situation like that, and Ray Tanner obviously was the guy there. He made six trips to Omaha, you know, played for the national championship four times during his career at South Carolina. Uh, the program has played for it six, which is good. Um, sometimes you go and, and you replace said legendary coach. And, you know, most of the time in college athletics, things don't work out. And a lot of the time they don't work out for a while and you have to sort of go through the wilderness. And then it's unfortunate because I think the hope was Chad Holbrook would just keep it going. And, oh, well, then that didn't work out. So then you, you got to go and, and make a hire and, you know, Kingston, obviously, right now, I can't say that it's working out. Hopefully, it does. I'm, I'm not uh, calling for anybody to be fired. But you, th- you think about Alabama football under Bear Bryant. The bear hangs it up. You go through Ray Perkins. You go through Bill Curry. You hire Gene Stallings. He gets you back there. You win one. Stallings leaves. It's this Mike DeBose, Mike Price, Mike Shula, the three Mikes, right? And uh, finally, what I call in athletics a caged animal hire. They were like, well, we're going to just go hire Nick Saban, and we're not going to take no for an answer. And that's uh, that's what they did. Uh, Kentucky basketball after Rick Pitino. Um, you know, Tubby Smith was kind of like a Larry Coker at Miami kind of guy. Uh, he did win a national championship right away with, with a lot of Pitino's players. And then it gradually got worse. So then they go hire the number one young coach in the country from Texas A&M, Billy Gillespie, and he's a disaster. I think Darren Horn was undefeated against him at South Carolina uh, against Big Blue. 
Uh, and so then they're like, all right, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to go hire John Calipari and we see what happened. Um, all kinds of examples of this, uh, you know, in terms of great programs, legendary coaches, hang it up. Uh, it's not always about making what I call a caged animal hire. I- I'll tell you this in football. I don't know if Lincoln Riley will work out at Southern Cal or Mario Cristobal will work out at Miami, but those fit the definition You know, those fit the definition of those two guys. Big money, open the checkbook. We're tired of losing. Let's roll. We're a great program. Um, But look how many coaches both of those schools have been through. Trial, a lot of trial and error before they just said we're not going to take it anymore. So my point is on Carolina baseball, big picture. Now, John Whittle and all the baseball experts can, can, you know, tell you the what's going on, the specifics. Is it recruiting? Um, I sort of think since recruiting and baseball has become so early, a lot of teams have kind of lost their grit. Does that make sense? South Carolina had a lot of grit under Ray Tanner. I haven't seen that in, in a long time. Toughness, grit. Uh, team did battle back against UNC Greensboro this year, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot about it. You know, you just kind of look at it and it's just not the same. You never felt like the Gamecocks were out of a game under Tanner. You never felt like they were out of a season. Uh, and it just hasn't been the same. You know, there's been flashes. I mean, the program has been to Super Regionals and the NCAA tournament, but, it, you know, it, you go through years where it's historically bad and it's unacceptable, you know, and, and not given – I mean, you know, Carolina fans in the sport of baseball are used to consistency. Um, and under Ray Tanner, every single year, regardless of when they got put out, you know, maybe the year before they won the national title up at East Carolina, that was a disappointment. But you always felt like they took it all, took it as far as they could take, it, right? You know, some of these super regionals, they lost two to one. You know, those teams were better. You know, but the Gamecocks took them to the final out, and you could always count on that. We always could count on that, and now you can't count on them because you, you don't know. Heck, you're losing fifteen to seven to Xavier at home. So my point with all this is, guys, big picture wise, okay. This program has been great. Even before Ray Tanner, it played for two national championships in the 70s and been to Omaha. This program can be great again. Uh, it may not be under Mark Kingston. It may be. But one day, it'll turn. It's too good of a program. There's too much support. There's too many good baseball players where South Carolina goes recruiting uh, to say otherwise. Uh, it's too important at the University of South Carolina uh, to sit around and go, oh, well, you know, uh, shoot, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, they're, they're just kind of good and we don't really care. You know, people care. Uh, and and there are the standards for, men, for uh, baseball at South Carolina are much higher than just about any other sport. And rightfully so. It's, it's been the most successful sport people care about. Women's basketball – uh, notwithstanding, I know it's there, and I know when Dawn Staley leaves, you know, just like Pat Summit left Tennessee, there's probably going to be a dip, and they may have to go through the wilderness to be great again. But uh, I just think that you know that's the silver lining here in 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 terms of, and I'm not I'm trying to hold on. Let me back up. It's not a silver lining. There's no silver lining right now, right? But when you talk about the big picture and you talk about what's going on with Carolina baseball right now, it's not abnormal when you're talking about replacing a legendary coach, you know, even though it's been what eight, nine, 10 years, 
Uh, you're not, you know, this is not abnormal. Programs that, that are great, they replace a guy like that. Sometimes, like I said, it's a lot of trial and error. Very rarely is there that guy that can just step in and keep it going. You know, Jimbo Fisher took over for Bobby Bowden at Florida State and was on staff and all that. Did win a national championship, but you saw what happened after that. Faded pretty quick. You know, Steve Spurrier, uh, after he left, Urban Meyer did have success there. He was kind of like another Gene Stallings-esque guy. Uh, but look at how many football coaches they've had since then. And I, I don't know that Billy Napier is a caged animal hire. I think he could work out. I mean, our neighbors to the Northwest, Clemson, uh, look who all they went through. Ken Hatfield. Uh, you know, you go to the – uh, proven successful head coach. Ken Adler was kind of like the Dave Odom hire of Clemson football. Uh, then you go, okay, well, we want, we want to bring Danny back. So Tommy West, you're, you're coming back. Uh, you know, and Tommy West was there under Danny. And five years later, they, they punt him. They're like, we're going to go hire the best young coach in the country. And his last name's Bowden. And they gave that a while. And then it didn't work out. Now they didn't make a cage animal hire. They, they hired the guy that was on staff and it worked out. So it's not always 100% uh, the, 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 the guy that leads you to glory uh, is a quote-unquote caged animal hire. I am saying, though, that that's normally the case. That's normally the case. And uh, if there is a change, either after this year, whenever, you know, there's a change, if the standards aren't being met for this program, uh, I think the administration of South Carolina, Ray Tanner or whoever, uh, they need to go get a guy. Now, there's a lot of guys, you know, but they need to go hardcore and, uh, you know, and, and go get a ball coach, uh, I, I think. Doesn't have to be a huge name, just a guy that's you know, is going to be successful. You know, uh, you know Chris Lamonis at uh, Mississippi State, you know, certainly there weren't fireworks going off when he was hired to see what he's done. You know, I, I think that it's just important. No more, you know, promotions from within. Uh, no more, hey, this guy is a, is a mid-major that's had some good seasons at some bad schools, which Mark Kingston was, with a great rep. You need proven, proven results. You know, no more, no more messing around with the baseball program. And that's if, you know, there has to be a change. I don't know about this year, but, you know, whenever, whenever this happens. Now, in the short term, it would be nice if things change, you know, and, and I'm not one that's going to overreact after 12 baseball games. It's a long season, but I also know this. And uh, we talk about this, Jamie Bradford and I on JB and Goldwater, which by the way is coming up later today. I don't think this will be live by the time I get to that segment is when your midweek games, you know, Ray Tanner lost some midweek games, but rarely, rarely win the midweek games. Win, try to win on Friday, try to win on sun, Saturday, or try to win on Sunday. Uh, and you're going to get to the tournament. You know, emphasize that. And then that's what he did, and he made the tournament a whole lot. You know, it was rare. It's rare South Carolina to make the tournament. Now they're – right now, I wouldn't I, – they may finish last in their division, which is sad considering Missouri is in that division. And Missouri is – uh you know, probably not set up for success in baseball. So, you know, that's, that's the big picture with Carolina baseball. And, and you know, that's, that's not the only bad thing that happened uh, as we uh, transition to the second segment. And, uh, by the way, uh, I uh, will tell you about Cindy Sirfoss here in a second. 
Uh, so over the weekend, we go from, uh, you know, men's basketball, and then that's another subject that's out there. Men's basketball uh, has a game uh, in Auburn. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought the Gamecocks battled hard. I think they're fighting hard, playing hard, just not good enough. Uh, one thing, you know, you sat there in the first half, Auburn got off to a hot start. You cut it to 24-22. Keyshawn Bryant gets the ball, goes down the floor. It looks like he's going to dribble it off his knee again, and then bricks a layup. It didn't even hit the rim. You know, and, and that's that's his – if he – you know, he's a good player, and he hustles, and he, he's a good person, a good kid, all that. A great athlete, you know, some wild plays. When he does not play within himself and calm down, he is a liability a lot. When he's down there doing the things, rebounding, going back up, uh, playing within himself, all that good stuff, uh, I think he's a pretty good player. So what's going to happen with Frank Martin? I don't know. I put out a scenario. If you get G.G. Jackson, he reclassifies. Uh, they win a game in the tournament, get to the NIT, maybe win a game there, get to 20. Uh, I hear Jermaine Cousinard probably will come back. Eric Stevenson will come back. Is that enough to make a run or to, to, to gear up, keep Frank for another year and, and make a run? Uh, I don't know. I, I tend to lean toward yes, simply because in basketball and like football, you know, a top elite guy like that can change your trajectory as long as you have players around him. Uh, I think Frank can have the portal again for some pieces and with guys coming back. I mean, Cousinard, has played extremely well lately. I think Eric Stevenson has played well all year. I thought he was going to drive me crazy because his shot, you know, is streaky. But, man, that guy gets four or five rebounds a game. He's all over the place on defense. He hustles. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that guy. Devin Carter, congrats to him, freshman All-SEC. He gets back. Jacoby Wright, I think, has been promising to Quan Woodley. And I still think Josh Gray has a ton of upside. Um, he's seven foot, 270 pounds, can – run and jump and things like that. Some people don't think he's that good. I, I, he may not be right now, but I, I think he's going to be good. So uh, that was, that was, a, that was a disappointment, but I, I think it's, uh, you know, we didn't not expect it to happen. You have a loss at Auburn. I mean, I think, you know, they tried, they came back. Uh, Auburn's a very good basketball team. Uh, but what I think it does when you play a game like that and you look at Auburn's success in basketball under Bruce Pearl is you start to wonder, you know, that program at Auburn when Pearl got there was sub everybody, like below everybody in the league. I mean, they built a new arena. They just couldn't get it right. And it took Pearl a couple of years of losing uh, to get it straightened out. And now they've been to a Final Four. They've capitalized on that Final Four. They're SEC champions again. And you sit there and wonder why hasn't happened that way in South Carolina. South Carolina's been in the Final Four, but nothing's happened since then. So you look at it for the big picture. There is a contrast. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, furthermore, you know, the, the question is, if you move on Frank Martin, is who do you hire? And I don't know that either. I, I tend to believe it's probably time considering – the apathy for men's basketball to take a hard look at like not going the mid-major route. Uh, and I know, you know, South Carolina hadn't tried to go the mid-major route in men's basketball very often. The two they got were Steve Newton and Darren Horn. Uh, 
you know, maybe maybe you get a no brainer out there on the mid major route. But I would I would try to shoot for something bigger with unbelievable money. Um, you know, if they want to, you know, I, I don't know that the powers that be at South Carolina at times want to spend on men's basketball like they do football and other sports. But look, man, I, I you know, it's a revenue sport. It's one of only two. And and South Carolina fans, I, you know, there's a big chunk of the fan base that still cares. Now, there's a chunk of the fan base, especially the younger ones, where you know they South Carolina men's basketball's never been good. You know, never. They, they weren't around for the Fogler run. They they weren't. You know, they kind of came in <laughs> end of Odom through the Horn era, and and then the bottom kind of fell out and. You know, that's the, and that I said many times that that was during the time baseball's winning national titles. Dawn Staley's getting it going and building her fan base. Football's in the top 10. You know, so if you were a student during that time, did you care about men's basketball? Frank's first two years were brutal, brutally bad, brutally bad. Okay. So when you look at it like that, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, I mean, and actually Frank's, it's SEC tournament. He made a he, – they won a couple of games, I guess, his second year. But anyway, you know, Frank built it into a Final Four team and then things have kind of just slipped back and stayed the same. It's weird. Um, but, but you know, yeah, I think you got to have somebody that's going to get everybody excited. Now, winning does get people excited. So maybe they go and they find their Nate Oates or their Will Wade or name your mid-major. You know, maybe they go and find it. I don't know. Uh, maybe they give Frank Martin another year and he gets Carolina back to the tournament and they end up uh, making another deep run. And, and this time around with the transfer portal and, you know, recruiting being a lot different, yeah, you know, cause there's going to be, you know, and, and here's the argument I would make about the people that are like, no, you know, just because Gigi Jackson's coming in, you know, even if they make a run to the tournament next year, what are you going to do after that? I'm not worried about after that with basketball anymore or men's basketball, because in women, the women's game, they stick around. Players come back. You do have transfers, but players stick around three, four, five years. Men's basketball, it's not like that. You're going to have roster transition in this sport. I don't care who the coach is. You know, so the idea that you are, okay, I'm going to get these three guys, and by the time they're juniors, they're going to be really, really good. You know, I think those days in this sport, maybe – are over, you know, and, and look, I believe Devin Carter and Jacoby Wright, and, you know, Taquan Woodley will be back next year. I can't guarantee it. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of hope they'll stay in place for a little while, especially if you, if you get, but you know, you can't count, you can't worry about the 2023, 2024 season right now. You can worry about that next March. Okay. In, in my opinion. And, and so I don't think there's any kind of like delay that you have if, if those guys come back, if Gigi commits and reclassifies. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, and all that is all that said, that, 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 that's uh, assuming South Carolina doesn't go on like a miracle run and win the SEC tournament, which we've seen. We've seen teams like that before. I think they need some help. I think some of these teams they have to go through will have to just like not show up or have a terrible day shooting or something like that. The stranger things have happened. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's kind of where I stand on it. I, I, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen regardless. That's a lot. 
not only does Gigi Jackson have to commit, he has to reclassify, and then you, you know, it's good if you get to the NIT and then blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So there's a lot to be determined about this season and then the trajectory of the program moving forward. And I don't want you to think, folks, that I'm sitting here on the Frank Martin bandwagon or anything. I I, I think Frank is a very misunderstood coach. Uh, I, I think a lot of the criticism he's taken uh, in terms of the sideline demeanor, I've been, I've been clear on that. I think it's a personal preference and some people don't care for it, but that's your personal preference according to what you can tolerate. You know, some people don't like to watch, you know, raunchy stand-up comedy. Some people don't like horror movies. That's your personal thing. And, and I'm with you. Who am I to judge you for what you want to consume, entertainment-wise or other? If you don't, if you're uncomfortable around, you know, bad language and aggressive behavior, I, I'm not faulting you one bit. You know, if you think, you know, it's, it's he's out of control or whatever on the sideline, that's fine. Um, but what I look at is the players. You know, and, and and the reactions to him and the lifelong relationships he's built with his players and all that. And, and I think, like I said in the last podcast, I think it's more of a situation where they're kind of all in this together. And he's kind of like the the, the the sergeant going to battle or whatever. Uh, and, and we know that when things are hectic and this is football field, too, you know, I, given the state of what's going on in Eastern Europe right now, I, I feel weird doing any military analogy or a military analogy, even though I just did. Um, but in, you know, football field too, you'd be surprised at what Peyton Manning, the quarterback field general says, or said in the huddle, <laughs> you know, or some other quarterbacks. I mean, it, it's, it's not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. Now, in basketball, you know, you don't have – in football, you have a helmet on, you have a camera on you. The, the fans aren't right on top of you, so it, it probably is a little more jarring to spectators. But but I'm trying to explain why, you know, there's not been like a, oh – I mean, because you know today, the, the, this day and time, verbal the, the verbal abuse thing uh, definitely – will come out. I mean, they, you know, they almost popped Tom Izzo for it a couple of years ago because of the sideline thing. And people are looking for stuff like that. And honest to God, uh, I think with the way the media is, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of Frank's former players didn't get calls about it for somebody looking for a story. And nothing has come out. Now, that said, is his coaching style for everybody? And if players left because they didn't, like, they didn't, they didn't enjoy the coach? Yeah, but that's not a personal thing. That's not abuse. That's like, hey, this is a style of basketball that's a little tough for me, so I'm going to go someplace else. And, and, you know, Frank takes care of those guys. He never, you know, says anything bad about them or anything. So, I don't know. You know, th- that's just my take on, on on some of the personal attacks that uh, people like to shove at Frank. Now, basketball, you want to argue that the program's stuck and needs to be unstuck. I'm right there with you all day long and twice on Sunday. Uh, they, they have to unstick this program somehow. Uh, and unfortunately, that may end up being a bad mid-major hire that happens. I mean, you do the best. Even, even guys in the mid-major level that are very successful sometimes go and, you know, fail uh, when they take a job like South Carolina. But you have to get it unstuck one way or the other. I, I don't think that you, you can just sit there and go, oh, well, you know, everybody's happy winning – you know, 16 to 18 and, 
you know, here we go, you know, and, and oh, shoot, we didn't, oh, shoot, we didn't make the tournament this year. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's happy with that, um, especially after 10 years. So that's my take on the Frank Martin situation. And certainly, uh, you know, the game against Mississippi State tomorrow night will, will be important. They're, they're all important. It's March from here on out. Beware the Ides of March, folks. It's been a bad March for South Carolina athletics right now i didn't mention the women losing boy that was a a, a scoop of feces on top of a, a poop sunday i said that on the big spur brief today by the way you can get that by subscribing to our youtube page it's kind of comes out before the podcast more frequently that kind of thing um you know blue lead uh kind of the same story as it was against stanford last year in the final four just missing easy shots i don't understand why south carolina basketball teams at times miss easy shots. Now it's probably because I watch a lot of South Carolina basketball. And if I'm watching the women's game at all, it's South Carolina, just to be honest. Uh, but boy, shooting, you know, making bunnies is, is just not something that either program has been really good at. And hopefully that doesn't cost them. Hopefully there's a lot of focus on, Hey, look, you know, this, this loss to Kentucky in the SEC tournament final was a major upset. Uh, but, but here's the bottom line, ladies, this can happen. So you better bring it, better bring it in the NCAAs, better bring it. So hopefully, uh, Hopefully that's the case for Dawn Staley and company. Um, again, Texas, South Carolina baseball this weekend, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, and look, man, baseball is one of those sports. Anything can happen. You go and salvage a win against the Longhorns who have – the time South Carolina's played Texas in baseball, the, Texas has owned them. Um, you know, go salvage a win against those guys. That, that's pretty good. They're few, the, that's a future SEC opponent, by the way. The Texas Longhorns. Wow. So, um, I mean, what a ba- baseball conference. It's going to be something else. Uh, so, anyway, uh, that segment was brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker Kane, real estate. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Cindy's been in the upstate of South Carolina for over 35 years and would love to help you with your real estate needs. You can contact Cindy at 864-414-5271. Email her, csearfoss at cbkane.com, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbkane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E dot com. Again, that number is 864-414-5271. She's located right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue in my beautiful hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Folks, I, I, uh, I ordered a canvas print of downtown Spartanburg. Uh, to hang in my office area and I look at it it's just uh ah it reminds me of home but uh, Cindy's right there Daniel Morgan Avenue in Spartanburg again 864-414-5271 please tell her JC sent you so there's two and so now we are uh into another segment the iHelp Consulting Mailbag <laughs> and I'll tell you about iHelp Consulting in a sec I don't want to go back to back ads Two ways to get an iHelp Consulting mailbag. First of all, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And uh, I love to answer those. And I love all our tweeters. Please follow the Inside the Gamecocks podcast on Twitter. We're getting right on up there. Would like to get over 1,000 Twitter followers for the podcast. I know I've got way more than 1,000 listeners. So if you guys are on Twitter, please go follow that. 
And uh, and then follow us on Instagram too. It's at Inside the Gamecocks for some additional social media content. Um, so tweet to me and all that. First and foremost, on Friday, I uploaded the wrong mailbag segment or the wrong segment. So I apologize. Thanks to the Upstate Gamecock and others for reminding me. First one comes in from Craig. He said, "Is Trayvon Dunbar?" the running back you were talking about. I believe that definitely is the guy. Where is he from? Aiken? Silver Bluff? Somewhere like that. Now, look, I hadn't heard much about him in the Gamecocks. I'll be honest with you there. Uh, I'll have to ask. But, um, you know, I've heard a lot about Bradford, the quarterback that uh, went from Chapin to IMG, and, of course, the two tackles. But not a whole lot about Dunbar. So, um I don't know. You know, all I know is he's supposed to be a special player. Uh, I will watch his film between now and then and uh, give you kind of a little scouting report next time. Next person that tweets in is Joe Sports Caller. He says, should 500 in league play be the only benchmark for the men's basketball program? Shouldn't NCAA tournament appearances be? Shouldn't that be the starting standard? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to get, you know, when you when you get there and you go to a Final Four, I think it's reasonable to expect that you capitalize on it. I mean, you have a coach that was at Kansas State that went four out of five years. That's why you hired him, because you need that kind of consistency, and that's the next step for this program is, you know, like, gosh, so three out of the last four coaches here have gone to the big man's. I mean, uh, Fogler went twice. Got beat, bounced out in the first round both times. Odom took a team there uh, in 03-04, made it by the skin of its teeth, got bounced by Memphis in an ugly, ugly game. Uh, didn't make it back, should have, should have probably been fired after the second NIT uh, championship. Uh, I don't care how much was in the war chest of credibility. That was a sweet 16 team. A team beat Florida twice. Florida won the national title that year. They went all the way to the SEC tournament final. Lost by a Trey Kelly shot coming up about a half inch short. Um, yeah, so that's uh, he went, you know, he went to the NCAA tournament. Darren Horn, he did not, but that first team he had, I think if they'd have scheduled or the schedule would have worked out a little better for them because uh, that, that team won 10 SEC games, won the East, they had divisions then. But, you know, they didn't get in. They they actually lost to Mississippi State in Tampa in the first round of the tournament, SEC tournament, and did not get in, won 21 games. And then the rest of the Darren Horn era was certainly forgettable. Um, so, no, I, I you know, everybody's been – nobody's been able to get it consistent. And I'm not talking about I, – I think Eddie Fogler was right when he said, you, you know – Going to the NCAA tournament every year is unrealistic. And, and it is really at every program, even the Blue Bloods. They have years where things just don't come together and they don't make it. I don't think it's fair to say – like in baseball, I think it's perfectly fair. You should be in the 64-team field every single season. And if you're not, why? There better be a good reason, you know. Basketball, eh, I'd settle for three out of four years, that kind of thing. Um the problem is in the SEC, uh, teams go up, teams go down. I mean, I looked at Missouri's results the other day. They were in the tournament last year. They lost 21 games this year. 
They were in the tournament, Quanzo Martin's first year. I think they were awful. The, uh, you know, the, the next year, Quanzo Martin's pretty good coach. So there we go. I, I think that uh, that should be the standard. You're not going to do it every single season, but that should be the standard. Now I'll say this, you know, and I'm one that like, you know, I don't just trash everything, you know, when you look at sort of historical versus what's going on now, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't trash it, you know, cause I, I think that would, that's just kind of a lie, you know, in terms of, you know, what are the facts about South Carolina's, performance in league play under Frank Martin. And the facts are he's done better than anybody else. Horn definitely couldn't figure out Odom. Odom, That was Odom's entire problem. I mean, the non-conference was fine. The postseason, the SEC tournament, uh, NIT, you name it, was fine. He just couldn't figure out the league. I mean, you know, talked about Auburn earlier being bad. You know, they'd sit there and, you know, need a win to stay on the bubble, and they'd lose to Auburn at home, who Auburn team that won like seven games or something. I mean, it just it just he couldn't figure it out. Fogler had it going and was 26 and 6 in the league over two years, and then the bottom fell out. You know, so and I don't think Fogler, I think he, I think he had a 500 record the year before that run. But nobody's been able to to have winning seasons in the league like like Frank Martin. Um, unfortunately for him, the non-conference has been a little tougher to figure out, you know, so that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think the league record is any kind of benchmark other than it's an accomplishment relative to the historical performance of the program. And what I think it is is, is kind of good news because you, you sort of start to wonder, you know, when South Carolina came into the league in 1992, although they had Steve Newton as their coach, I remember getting the Athlon basketball preview. And, again, they had divisions then. And Gamecocks had a lot of players back, Joe Rett, Barry Manning, uh, those guys that Felton left. And, you know, they were picked second in the division that year. Um, at that point in time, you're only – 12 years removed from the Maguire era, the end of the Maguire era, you're only like 19 years removed from being a powerhouse in the ACC. Carolina Coliseum was one of the best home courts in college basketball. You're jumping from the Metro where, you know, even if you win 20 games and have some quality wins, you're you're hoping for a 12 seed unless you're Louisville or Memphis at times Florida state. But, you know, that for bass men's for football, everybody was kind of like, oh, my God, what are they getting into? Uh, same thing with baseball. Although Carolina did get in there the first couple of years and, and compete under June Reigns. Uh, women's sports as well. Men's basketball, though, I re- everybody was kind of, I don't know, optimistic. Like, finally, they're getting back to, you know, because the whole thing was shouldn't have left the ACC Shouldn't have left the power conference. Shouldn't have left the ACC. All right, we get back in the SEC. It's not a historically great basketball conference outside of Kentucky at the time. You know, Kentucky's kind of the gold standard, and then there's everybody else. Uh, And it's just been a complete struggle. You know, whereas going in, you know, you're talking about an athletics program that's 
at the time more aligned with the ACC, more aligned with great basketball. Um, and, and, and look, you know, you see remnants of that. You know, I don't, I don't know that you build. You know, it, it, the the arena, the Colonial Life Arena, came into existence during the Fogler era, uh, when he, you know, won the league and what was a two seed. The next year, turns right back around. He's a three seed. He's recruiting in state at a high level. I mean, and they're like, you couldn't get a ticket at the Carolina Coliseum. And so, great. Let's expand and, and be Arkansas East. And I failed to mention Arkansas did come in the league with the Gamecocks at the same time, and obviously they were powerhouse under Nolan Richardson. But, you know, everybody thought, hey, but men's basketball is going to really, you know, take advantage of being in the SEC, and nobody's been able to figure it out. And, look, I know the SEC is a great league this year, and it is a lot. But, but you know, think back that – Team Frank had that won 24 games that got screwed. It wasn't a good league then. It, and sometimes it's not. You know, it's it's not always one of the best basketball leagues in the country. Now, a lot of good coaches have come into the league, a lot of good programs. I mean, it's it, it's probably tougher. It probably won't be year in and year out. I mean, it's, it's just not the ACC, you know. And I know before you yell it at me that uh, it's better than the ACC this year. But and I know Duke and North Carolina are transitioning or whatever, but man, I mean, look at all the programs that, that have had just great historical success in the Atlantic Coast Conference versus the, the SEC, where it's kind of been up and down. It's good to see Arkansas back, good to see Rick Barnes doing what he does at Tennessee, that kind of thing. But look, the bottom line is you know, this was supposed to be something 30 years ago that. that was great. And, and it had just has not worked out for a number of reasons uh, in the Southeastern conference for men's basketball. And that still can. And so that's why if I mentioned the sec record, I mentioned it as a positive because look, man, I mean, you know, maybe things are starting to get figured out by the program, you know, that kind of thing. So I appreciate it, Joe Sports Caller. Gamecock Fan 3 says, JC, what are you going to be watching for the most during spring practice? That's pretty simple. Spencer Rattler, command of the offense, wide receivers. I think that's a key. Uh, You know, we can talk about the offensive line, but, hey, man, we're not going to know about that group until they start playing games because offensive line looked pretty damn salty in the spring game last year. We saw what happened. Um so that's what I'm looking for. I, I'm looking for Spencer Rattler to be a smooth operator within this offense. And I think that kind of falls on Marcus Satterfield because I think great coaches, uh, if you want to be a great coach or a good coach, you put your players in position to be successful. You're talented guys. Uh, you, you don't try to beat them over the head with a scheme. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier doesn't coach at South Carolina anymore. I mean, there's no, you know, situation where, you know, or, or Mike Leach is not the coach at South Carolina where you have to have somebody that can run his stuff. Um, I think it's important for Spencer Rattler to learn the offense. Don't get me wrong. You have to. But this whole make it too complicated and, you know, do whatever, I, that would be that, – that's tough. You know, that, that would be tough for me. So I'm watching for the operational aspects uh, of the offense and how everybody does – and of course, you know the receivers, the new com- you know the newcomers, 
uh, how the depth chart shakes out, shakes out in the secondary. And, of course, God, no injuries. No injuries this spring. So that's uh, those are my hopes for that. All right, iHealth Consulting mailbag rolls on. What to tell you about iHealth Consulting? My good friend, Daniel Owens, who's a lifelong Gamecock, uh, he wants to help your business save money. Uh, his only mission, in fact, is to help your business save money on expenses. So you may be paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, anything else. I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if he can't save your business any money, you don't pay him anything. That's right. If he can't help your business, there's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? And also uh, tell them JC sent you or JB and Goldwater sent you. I don't care. Uh, just uh, take advantage of, of Daniel, man. He, he saved one company forty eight grand the other day. <laughs> and uh, oh, I forgot to add, too. He doesn't charge you like some of these overpriced consultants. Uh, if he can't save you anything, you don't owe him a penny, and he only takes a percentage of the first year's savings. So it's not like, you know, you're going to be out any money whatsoever. I mean, it's really no risk if you're a business owner. And I don't think a lot of you want to do it. You just got to find the time. Just like me, there's a lot of things I've been meaning to do. So if you've been meaning to call Daniel again, 843-372-5713, tell him JC sent you. So the other way to get in, and man, I was going to talk about this Marcus Lattimore thing and the Muschamp era, but I'm going to save that because I had a lot of thoughts about that. Um, and uh, I'll just say that uh, – I'll just say that, that you know, Muschamp – Marcus, everything about that. <laughs> anyway, I'll get I'll get to that later. I'll get that later. Um okay, so all right. Evan, baseball, basketball. <laughs> I'm not in the business of calling for coaches to be fired. And have not done so with the exception of ROC. Yeah, he's coming back. How about that? Uh which I, you know, I'm willing to give him a shot. You know, and we're, we're going to find out, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope my criticism last year was unfounded because he didn't have a quarterback, blah, 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 or receivers, blah, 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 blah. Fine. If Kingston doesn't work out, what are your thoughts about Landon Powell? I played college baseball against his team at North Greenville. Always well-coached and talented. I'm not seeing it needs to happen soon, but wanted to get your thoughts. I like Landon Powell. I think he's a heck of a coach and a great job at North Greenville. You know, you just don't hear much about him. Uh, when you're talking to people about what happens if the job comes open. Uh, I remember he was uh, one of Ray Tanner's great recruits, and Landon actually enrolled early, <laughs> kind of like Gigi Jackson would, you know, reclassifies or whatever. So I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, I, I think, again, whatever they can do to rediscover the grit um, – I'm all for whatever they can do to recapture the man. I'm all for. I'm, I'm afraid, though, if Kingston does not work out, Evan, the days of, you know, oh, well, let's promote this assistant or let's go get a mid level guy that's, I think those are over. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't think for a minute Ray Tanner needs to 
mess around anymore. I think he's got to go get a guy. Now, whether that's revisiting Kevin O'Sullivan or trying to go get the dude at Louisville or, I mean, you know, this program has the money to go pay. And if they don't, there's something wrong, you know. So I don't know that Lando would be in it. I personally wouldn't have a problem with it. And I think he's done a heck of a job and he's a Gamecock. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I think if there's a change, you know, it, it, you know, this would be number three. You know, Tanner's got to go get a guy and get it, get this program back in good shape. And Evan continues also with Frank. I think he's a good coach and I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a man. I just don't know if his style of coaching can work with this generation of kids. It doesn't mean I disagree with how he coaches his players because to be honest, a lot of kids need that kind of hard nosed discipline coaching. I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, but I just wanted to get your take on if you think his style of coaching can still be effective. Um, it depends on what you mean by style of coach. His style of coaching is a lot of hard work, you know, even in practice. Uh, I'll tell you what it's not. There, there's not a lot of, like, abuse and things like that. It's just hard. Um, and that's how he coaches. He coaches hard. And um, it, it's worked. Do I think that from an outside perception uh, standpoint with certain recruits that it's used against him in an unfair manner that, you know, oh, he's a tyrant, you don't want to play for him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, I, but I think there's certain elements of, of folks around South Carolina, Columbia, that, you know, they'll use anything they can to get guys not to go to Carolina. Um. I think it's just the reality of the situation right now. And, and there's really no good reason other than, you know, maybe some of them are fans of other schools. Maybe some of them benefit by certain players going someplace else. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but it's sad. It's sad in a lot of ways. You know, it's a free country. Players need to go wherever they want. Uh, I certainly, you know, do not fault anybody for leaving the state and going elsewhere. You know, th- this is America. You know, you have free will. But where I have a problem is adults influencing the process and unfairly, you know, kneecapping, you know, the school in their state. P.S. I really need the Gamecocks to start competing with Clemson again now because all the Clemson baseball fans are coming out of the woodwork to give me hell about the sweep this past weekend. Yeah, dude, look, um, I don't even want to talk about the Clemson rivalry right now. Uh, you know, is it unfortunate that Frank's team did not have their players and lost? Yes. That's a game they could have won. Uh, is it unfortunate that the pitching wasn't there? Yes, but I thought the pitchers battled and it was the light hitting that disturbed me. Uh, uncalled for, you know, type of deal. And so this this year in men's sports, and I don't care about South Carolina Clemson women's basketball. Maybe some of you do, but but South Carolina women's basketball is on like a different level, you know, than Clemson. Um, so I don't care about that. I mean, I, I'm talking men's sports right now. Yeah, it's disappointing. Plus, Clemson Clemson won the national title in men's soccer. How about that? So it's been a tough year on the rivalry. And, and, you know, and it's sad because I thought the football game was sad in a lot of ways because some things kind of out of the ordinary happened with the defense. Uh, You know, and then, of course, the offense had no answer. 
and you know, basketball was circumstance because of COVID, and then baseball arm injuries probably played a factor, but they should have hit better. So yeah, that that that's got to be something. That you know, I shoot. I mean, success in the rivalry sort of ebbs and flows, but but this is as bad as it's been. It's been awful, uh, and that's an athletics department thing. You know, to be honest with you, uh, those of you that blame Ray Tanner for every single loss. I don't think that's fair. However, success in the rivalry uh, in sports people really support and care about, that's important, man. Very, very important. I don't care about the overall mid-major versus, you know, so we want to beat them in tennis or whatnot. You know, no, no that's not. It's football followed by baseball, and then a distant third is men's basketball, and then everything else. You know, and I think the soccer rivalry is probably up there. Right, uh, probably right behind baseball or men's basketball. But yeah, they, they've got to they got to change that. There's a there is no excuse. Bob says, Bob chiming in from Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of DC. I think you're right about Frank and the positive things he brings the team both on and off the floor. I don't care for his sideline behavior, but the kids seem to understand and accept it as they were recruited and during their games in practice. My concern going forward is this. Has his behavior been scaring away higher-skilled high school players, thereby limiting the talent coming to USC? If so, this would impact his team's ability to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm not saying that I, I – there's going to be a certain percentage of players every year that just don't want – you know, it's like, nah, you know, I mean, the Neesmith kid that went to play for the Clapper, you know, great way to go, man. You went three and 32 at Vanderbilt in the SEC two years. Now you're in the NBA. Great. Hope you enjoyed playing for the Clapper uh, at Vandy. Um, you know, he just didn't, he just wasn't interested in, in that style of coaching, that kind of thing. Um, that said, you know, Recruiting in basketball at South Carolina is tough. And I don't care who you are. You can be rah-rah, Mr. Clapper. You can be, you know, whatever. I, I think it's still tough. I think I think it's definitely more than Frank. Um, and, and I think it starts with you turn on the TV and there's a bunch of uh, people dressed up like empty seats at Colonial Life Arena. Uh, and I'm not blaming the fans. Maybe the camera angle, maybe the seating arrangement. Uh, it, it just looks like a dead – I mean, you, you turn on a place like Arkansas or Auburn, you know, and e- even when Carolina's winning, you know, and there's been some games that impact the bubble last few years, still looks empty. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's fair. I, I mean, that's a fair kind of deal, but, but Rob, Bob, I don't think it's like 100%. I don't think it's 100%. Jason says, JC, have you recently run the lottery and purchased the athletic department? Oh, I've recently won the lottery and purchased the athletic department. What do you do on day one? And what is your 20 year plan? Also, can you make the pain go away, please? <laughs> if I, uh, if I had unlimited resources, I'd build a new basketball arena and I would uh, probably, uh, embark on a project where Founders Park looked a little bit more like Mississippi State with some outfield luxury seating and stuff to create revenue. 
I do all kinds of things with Williams Bryce. Um, you know, I would make sure I built a bridge over Bluff Road. <laughs> uh, cause dang, I mean, honestly, damn, <laughs> that's a damn right there. The Bluff Road situation. Thank God the ops buildings on that side now. Kids don't have to cross it, but still for fans and everybody else, I think I think a bridge there would be good. I'd build a hall, I'd tear down the Floyd building and build a hall of fame and a party deck. I mean, yeah, there's just a lot out there. Uh, ask me that question again in a couple of days. Uh Cartwright, I'm gonna get to this question later because I'm out of time. I gotta get to JB and Goldwater. Thank you, Heritage Digital. Thank you, Cindy Searfoss. Thank you, IO Consulting, my sponsors here. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes or Apple Pods if you hadn't. You can also get this on Spotify uh, and, of course, all over the thebigspur.com. Looks like this is going to come out after JB and Goldwater. So if you happen to catch my segment there today, I appreciate it. And certainly uh, looking forward to talking to you guys again probably tomorrow. Uh, we'll get into some of these other mailbag questions. I need to get into that Marcus Lattimore Muschamp thing. Uh, again, sorry for the delayed uh, content this week. J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecast podcast.